0: None of us ever expects to be in a bad car accident or that will take a hard fall, but it happens every day. According to the American Association for the Surgery of Trauma, traumatic injuries are the leading cause of death for people 45 years old or younger in the United States. When a person experiences a traumatic injury, time is of the essence and so is close access to a high level of trauma care. The people who provide this care must be incredibly skilled and highly collaborative. They have to make life and death choices quickly and repeatedly throughout the course of their day. Two such experts join us today to talk about their daily work in trauma care. Dr. Ivan Maldonado is a trauma surgeon at Marshfield Medical Center in Marshfield. There, he works alongside our other guests, Gina Brandel, who is trauma program manager. We'll speak with them both about what trauma care is. We'll look behind the scenes at how this care is provided and we'll discuss the emotional challenges of providing care in such an intense environment. Our first question is really to help our listeners understand the topic itself. So can you talk to us about what a trauma center actually is? What's the definition of a trauma center?
1: Well, a trauma center is a hospital facility, which besides the current processes and diseases that it treats, they specialize in the management of the, the acutely injured. That's a trauma center. The whole facility: the emergency room, the operating room, regular beds, ICU, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Every every component that touches, intervenes, assesses, uh, evaluates a trauma patient is the trauma center. Everybody in the building is a member of the trauma team and intervenes in the patient, which is injured or involved in a motor vehicle accident or so forth in some way.
2: Yeah, and our trauma center is really equipped to handle those life-threatening emergencies or injuries that, that really require that immediate treatment. You know, it would be, for example, the, the person involved in a motor vehicle crash or somebody who's a motorcycle accident, an ATV or UTV accident, or even a gunshot wound. We are really, really lucky here to have six board-certified critical care surgeons that work in our trauma department and care for the patients that we see here, and that is a really good thing in this rural area.
1: Yeah, the other issue with a trauma center is a facility as I talked before that is designated as a trauma center for why several entities that can do that for you, but it's a facility that has developed through time, through training, through commitment to the prompt, timely, efficacious, aggressive care of the injured. And that is a culture by itself. It is a mindset. It is an attitude that the people in that institution have to feel the significant passion for the care of the injured, that they are not afraid of the significant stress of the situation. They are used to that. They are trained for that. And they can respond even as a like a knee jerk reaction. They have this training to get their sleep roll up and jump into a case which is complex. It is difficult, and it is full of uncertainty. There is no s- script for that. It is They know what they to have to do in a timely fashion, and they do it without hesitation.
0: And what is the process like for credentialing a, a trauma center? How do you become an official trauma center?
2: Trauma centers can either be state verified or they can be verified by an outside agency. The state of Wisconsin verifies level three and level four trauma centers. The American College of Surgeons, who works with the level one and level two trauma centers, goes through that accreditation process with us. So every three years, it's a two-day process to become verified or re-verified as a trauma center. And the same process is done with the state in a decreased period of time. But those levels of trauma are really the critical access hospitals, level threes and level fours. So they have some, the level fours have some capabilities, but really the idea behind that is that they will immediately treat any life-threatening interventions, but they will do that and they will transfer them to a higher level of care. Level threes have some specialties there. They're able to take care of those patients, orthopedic, general surgery, might even have some neurosurgery coverage, but really anything of higher level care that would require an ICU type patient or polytrauma would come to a level one or level two facility. Typically the closest highest level is where that patient would go.
0: Can you talk about the significance of the network of trauma centers that we offer across rural Wisconsin night? You know, you read every day, it seems like when you're in the, the healthcare industry about the access issues that rural communities face, whether it's primary specialty care, emergency care, mental health services, and the effect on outcomes that that has, not to mention patient experience. Can you talk about what it means for small rural Wisconsin communities to have access to the care that, that we can provide?
1: Well, first, uh, I would like to make a comment. As you check in the data about that, in the last 10 years, more than 130 rural hospitals in the U.S. have closed. That means that people will not have access to basics, basic uh, care. The significance of our presence here as a level two trauma center is the fact that we are in proximity to all these underserved areas with a top-notch, highly specialized, comprehensive trauma care. That makes a world of difference because the network of hospitals, uh, the Marshall Clinic will provide the immediate access, the level four and the level threes, and they do the immediate intervention, and then the patient comes to us for further care. So the continuum of care is from the get-go, from the moment of the accident, EMS response, transferred to acute care facility, and then to us. And in trauma, time is of the essence. And that's what we provide, a timely intervention to save a life.
0: And can you talk about, you know, especially the timely piece, the fact that we do have our Lifelink helicopter service and we can get people from A to B quickly across big distances. Can you talk about that partnership and what our capabilities mean in in that respect?
1: Yeah, we can talk about it. And the issue is very important. Life Link, it is not only a transport. It is a unit of critically ill, traumatic patient care, meaning they, at the scene or the other facility that they assess the patient and start the transport process, they do interventions that are alive, saving. They give blood transfusion They use medications. They protect the airway by orotracheal intubations of those patients. They relieve, decompress the lung if necessary. It is collapse with a temporary measure. They do so much in a little space in the middle of the air. I mean, think about that. They do a magnificent job. And they carry all those things in that little bird.
2: They are a comprehensive transport system that provides the highest quality of care Air Medical can, can possibly give us.
0: Dr. Maldonado and Gina as well, how you, you know, you you guys are all trained for this, but obviously it's a it's an intense type of, of care that you guys provide. How, how do you sort of manage that from a personnel standpoint of, you know, checking in with folks and providers and staff? Can you just kind of talk to me about um, the, the sort of the psychology of that?
1: From the provider side, I can talk about it. I mean, the psychology is very, very challenging, very challenging. That's why this kind of service functions in a shift model is the only way to do it. It is a shift model, team-based approach, Approach, in which there is one of us in the in-house 24-7 all the time to respond for inpatient the emergencies and so forth, and for the patients that are transported here for care. We do 12-hour shifts. Between those uh, shifts, we provide we do a, a very detailed sign-out from one provider to the other. We are supported by a lot of providers that we have trained ourselves in this facility in, in adult and pediatric care, and, and specifically in adult critical care and trauma care. So it is a team approach. We do, uh, we pass the baton between shifts. We have that then that time off that everybody needs to decompress, and then we come back for the next shift. So even though that we have that kind of uh, approach, still it takes a toll on you. That is, it is inevitable that the experience of care of people that are severely injured uh, takes not only in the provider, uh, takes from them in terms of their mental capacity, but all the whole team. And uh, the the providers uh, which are part of this team, they're well experienced, they have years of experience. One of the key issues is that uh, this this uh, group of people that we call the trauma team that gets conveyed in the ED, OR, or the ICU, or whatever in the institution. Is led by a team of people that will be the, the leaders on those teams. And the, uh, it is a leader in a situation of critical decision-making. And uh, critical decision-making uh, needs the support of that team, and the decision-making person needs the su- uh, to support them. There is a symbiotic relationship between the providers, nurses, respiratory therapies, transport, other physicians, emergency room physicians or other specialists that come to help us. So uh, the most difficult part that is to get a a cohesive team that will be able to focus, that will be able to perform and deliver and, uh, uh, and, and finish their mission. And their mission is to get that patient back to society in a productive and being productive again as much as possible. And then that's the focus. And that requires not only the trauma surgeons, that require the neurosurgeons, orthopedics, physical therapy and rehabilitation, nutritionists, pain management, psychologists, psychiatrists, and uh, it's a whole cadre of people that are part of this thing. So all of all, everybody goes to this psychological stress because this patient comes in with we don't know anything about them many of the time. We don't know their comorbidities, we don't know their past medical history. Sometimes we even don't know how it happened, the accident. And and, and then they, it is a quest for defining, uh, walking a uh, very fine line. The fine line is, well, I have to keep this person alive while I figure out what is going on. And that's the expertise of this team to sustain life, and to define the problem and intervene. And let me tell you this, sometimes our, our partners and myself, after 30 years doing this, every night, every shift that finishes, like the first time, you are exhausted psychologically. The support of each other is key. Uh, of each other, not only among providers, but nursing personnel and others. We have a blessing in this facility that if we have a chap chaplains that attends the trauma activations. For the uh, support of their families and start to go through the process with them. And it's the process of an unplanned, unanticipated, life changing event. You mm-hmm. are never prepared for that. I will never be prepared for that. Nobody's prepared for that. And this team, as I told you at the beginning, is the whole institution, brings this family the support to go to an unplanned, unprecedented, life-changing event that maybe their loved one will not be the same, will not be able to be productive in the same way. Will not be able to do the things that they love so much in the same way. And uh and that is a significant, significant task which this team in this institution have been doing for the last 20 years. I will continue to be doing that. But definitely society needs this. This community needs this because they they put so much into their communities themselves that then we had to deliver this to the community that support us here. And it's a symbiotic relationship, which is the most uh, rewarding experience that you can have.
0: Did life change dramatically for for you guys day to day because of the pandemic? I'm just curious what the what the pandemic meant for kind of your day-to-day work?
2: Yeah, the pandemic changed us in a lot of ways, especially with the unknown. It forced us to change some of our practices uh, in the trauma bay as far as our equipment, um, resources. And so we were really able to utilize resources, additional resources, to to supplement our current traumas. So in the case in point, you know, we brought extra nurses down there so that we didn't have nurses going in and out of a room. You know, it just made a lot of sense. Um, Helped take some of the stress off of that nurse that's in the room, taking all of your stuff off and putting it all back on and walking in the room. So some of that sort of stuff we did. But it is physically exhausting to have these masks on and all this all these extra equipment on in a trauma bay and you're resuscitating a patient. But staff is very diligent, uh, very good about doing that. I think we've had very good outcomes along, along the COVID spectrum.
1: We remained as busy. That yes. didn't change our statistic. We, trauma was not affected by the virus.
2: We were, we were forced to change how we did things in the trauma bay and we adapted mm-hmm. to that. We did a lot of education. And the education just wasn't to the nurses or to the respiratory therapists. This education went to the entire trauma team, which is the mm-hmm. doctors, the nurses, the respiratory therapists, the lab people, the x-ray people, the CT people, mm-hmm. and on down that spectrum. So it's the way we did things that had to change. Everybody adapted well to that, but mm-hmm. it is physically exhausting when you come out of a trauma, a very busy trauma, both mentally and physically exhausting.
0: We touched on that just a bit on um, what a level four and a three is, but maybe yeah, talk about the transition from, uh, or, or the aspiration to get from a level two to a level one, and what that might mean.
2: So we really do everything the same as what a level one facility does. And that includes our pediatric trauma care that we do but in our world really very little is going to change going to a level 1 facility you know we have all the care and the treatment capabilities what we're really working towards and have worked very hard on is the research component to this that's required for level 1 designation so we partnered with the farm medicine folks and with the research foundation to bring bring on board the required research, the specifications for research that we're going to need. And so, you know, this is really one of the big things for us was that research component and patient volume. And both of those, uh, we had had met the patient volume, but what we were really working on is that research component of this. But we function the same as what a level one facility would do. We have the same capabilities that they do.
1: Partnering with a farm medicine is, the logic is a logical partnership here. We are a rural trauma center surrounded by farming equipment everywhere and farming endeavors. And one of the biggest activities of the farm uh, medicine department is prevention, prevention medicine, not only regular uh, infectious diseases and so forth, but also traumatic injuries in the workplace. They mm. have been doing that for years. And that any uh, the trauma center has a uh, three main components. It has the preventing component, the in- acute care, and then the rehabilitation component. Mm-hmm. So in the prevention component, we already ha- we have a trauma prevention uh, person that has been working throughout the years, getting grants for research and so forth very in a very successful way now we partner with farm medicine to expand on that and at the same time be able to do research with them on that because they they do a fair amount of research on prevention so the level one will expand our horizons there in terms of prevention because it's one of the missions we 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 don't want people to go through this, and we, it's part, it's part of the mission of the, any trauma center is to have a prevention program. And uh, and, and this level one initiative have created, create, it created a synergism with a specific component of the geographical region, which is uh, fantastic. And the other component is that when you do research, you learn how to you learn about the nature of the disease in trauma in different environments, and then you can target your preventive efforts based upon the research. So uh, that opens the door for more interesting, more interesting, and significant for the community uh, interventions that will be benefit everybody. That, uh, that is a wide open door for significant initiatives that the Marshall Clinic can contribute to the surrounding geographical area so that's what what that is one angle there that we we expect to see growth in the institution of being a level one and 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 as we portray our research nationwide in journals presentation and so forth in the future uh we'll be able to share that information with the scientific community which is what the level one does and -hmm. in the and in our region so it's it's, it is a combination of things there, how the level one initiative, it will impact the prevention, avoid injuries, and that will impact
0: also the care. So we talked about, so we've talked about the prevention piece, we've talked about the resources available to someone when they come in. And Dr. Maldonado, you talked a little bit about whether it's physical therapy or something, the, the sort of post-acute care. Can one or both of you talk about our, our sort of our program and our offerings in terms of after the acute period is over?
1: Yeah, well, we have adult and pediatric rehabilitation, both are inpatient as our inpatient and our As a matter of fact, in the last couple of visits from the American College of Surgeons, there had been a maze for the facilities in this location, specifically in the pediatric section. All, those are well developed programs. They're doing patient and outpatient. They are available for consultation. They are available for assessment for possible ad, continuation of admission here in our facility. So we are very, very lucky to have such developed programs here in house available for our patients. And um, well, we have a very close collaboration with them. So Definitely this facility brings that aspect of comprehensive care to the trauma patient in terms of the
0: rehabilitation part. We talked about Lifelink a little bit, but we didn't talk about partnerships with with EMS and and first responders. Can you talk about how those partnerships form and, and why they're so important? Sure.
2: Our partnerships with our local EMS provide feedback letters to those EMS services that bring patients to our facility, opportunities for improvement, things that went well, things that we could improve upon. But we also provide education to our outlying community and to our EMS partners. Um, And that's one of the things that we've made a a mission of doing is providing that. And we have EMS coordinators that work with the EMS community in providing feedback uh, with them also.
1: So, one of the most important aspects of trauma care is to learn, to have a continued learning process. EMS, they have a a medical director, is one of our ED physicians. Mm -hmm. I think it's Dr. Shilley and and Dr. McKee is involved. Uh, Those are the ones that have been uh, involved with being medical directors. So, from our point of view, there's a significant feedback back and forth. That goes about uh, between services, um, and the way we provide is is we provide education to the to the EMS. Whenever we we see anything that can be improved, there are initiatives that we develop. We did that for pediatrics in terms of airway and intubations and so forth. That has been uh, very successful, and we continue to really give feedback, especially complicated cases that they've. They have handled with us. We are, we have been discussing um, discussing lessons learned from those cases, because uh, they 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 face significant challenges, especially mm-hmm. in the rural uh, agricultural accidents that are significant patients that are very very injured significantly mm-hmm. injured, and uh, feedback to them has uh, has been very welcome. We also do that for them with the Marshall Fire Department and so forth. So there's a real-time feedback communication process in order to improve care. And and, and it's a very amicable, very close relationship uh, that has been here through years, through the years with the v- a- EMF. And I think it's a wonderful thing that you, you kind of know everybody in this small community and you develop those relationships. See And everybody see the value of this collaboration, which is unique. I practice in urban centers and you don't you don't see that. Uh, Here's very close, very uh, personal and, and, and all the feedback to go back and forth and improve the care of any neighbor, any friend is, is well
2: received and welcome. And those EMS providers are seeking input and information and mm-hmm. in any education that we can give them. but we just don't provide that to them they provide it to us. So they do outreach also. They do trainings. They invite us to those mm-hmm. trainings. So it's a collaborative effort that goes both ways. Um, but we really are seen as the leader in providing that educational opportunities from a stand, from a hospital standpoint. So
0: can you talk about, you know, we've, we've got this network of hospitals and trauma centers that, of, of various levels that we can give, you know, local care, but we can also transfer folks. Can you talk about sort of that network of of trauma centers and how they work together and what the advantage of that is
2: yeah we currently have i believe it's nine hospitals within our health mm-hmm. system and it's a it's a one call to here and it goes through our, our our call center mc cares and they it is a physician to physician, physician talk they say yep send that patient here on that same line we have that person in mc cares who says yep i'll arrange transport for you and that patient is brought down here so it doesn't matter if you're in the northwoods in in a, a back road by the lake we still have access to that to that medical system and if it requires a helicopter we can get that helicopter to you and get that patient here now uh, they always talk about the golden hour of trauma so we want to get those patients here as quickly as we can and And get them treated, but again, that we have a a nice referral base that patients come from into our system. And so uh, it's it's a one call, and we get you down here. It's a really good network that we have we have created, and it's it's a system. And the thing is is if somebody else wants to use our health system, they know the call goes to here, and that's how that is done. So the referrals are done through call centers. and so it 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 really is a good thing to have put together. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and
1: it is a work in progress because you have facilities that have been, they have been level three and level four in the past facilities that we acquired. And they already have some of the trauma culture. I call it the trauma culture is the mindset to intervene in, in this process. And then we have facili- new facilities on our own. So that we have been actively supporting them and Gina has done a, a great job uh, getting those facilities to evolve from a new facility to a trauma facility. And, and that's a that's a significant point there, because uh, those facilities from the their construction to the opening their doors, they had the support at a level, the mature level to trauma center. So they can treat those patients with the the ease that, okay, we'll stabilize the patient that set to the level, the next level, which is our sister hospital. And that has a value in itself because the providers over there can do their job with the mindset that, okay, I'll do my job as stabilize this patient. I know that the patient the patient will continue at the highest level in one of our facilities. And, 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 and that, for providers, is a significant uh, relief of that burden because they know that they just want to make one phone call and the patient will be transferred by LifeLink and get here our facility very quickly, and continued care for this patient is preserved, and the, in a very timely fashion. So, I would love to see. Maybe I will have enough years uh, of life to see how this system will mature. But to be a, the Marshall Clinic can develop its own trauma system within itself which can be uh, to portray to the whole state in terms of an example, of how, c- how can we work collaborative in this endeavor and save lives and uh, help uh, our citizens.
2: We have the support and leadership to do bigger and better things here. And level one is not out of reach for for us. Yeah.
0: So Gina Brandle, manager of our trauma program and Dr. Ivan Maldonado, a general trauma surgeon. Thank you both for joining us
1: well, thank you for having me.
0: Thank, thank you. you. It's our pleasure. You can subscribe to The Rounds and download episodes via iTunes or by visiting shine365.marshfieldclinic.org. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Adam Hawking, and I hope you'll join us next time on The Rounds.